She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season four. Episode nine. Terma. This episode is a myth arc episode and originally aired Sunday, December 1st, 1996 at 9 p.m. It was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Frank Spotnitz and Chris Carter and directed by Rob Bowman. So same writers, different director. Mm -hmm. And then we get our previously on the X-Files and we see an eye that fills with black oil. And then we see Mulder punching Krychek when they're pulling him out of the truck. And then we see Sax cutting open the rock. And then Mulder is telling Scully that the rock may hold the answers about extraterrestrial life. And then we see black leeches on Sack's helmet. And then we see Scully on the phone saying whatever's in the rock appears to be lethal. And then Mulder is running from the Russians that are riding the horses. And then the cigarette smoking man is telling the well-manicured man about Mulder's plane ticket. And then Mulder and Krychek are watching the Russians through the binoculars saying it's some kind of mining camp. So it's out of order, but anyway, it's fine. And then Senator Sorensen is telling Skinner and Scully that perjury is a very serious offense. And then Mulder is under the chicken wire and then the leeches are going under his skin. And then his eye gets black oiled. And then we're at Harrow Convalescent Center in Boca Raton, Florida. Old people. And a nurse closes the blinds and a van pulls up in front of the home. And a woman walks around the home with a flashlight, opens a door that reads infirmary. And she shines the light on various beds. And then she finds the woman she's looking for. And she gently touches her shoulder. And she says, Auntie Janet. And then Janet looks at her. And the woman says, it's time. He's waiting. And so Janet gets out of bed. And so they walk to the van. And the man inside tells her that they should hurry. And that there are some papers to sign. And he has three hanging bottles of liquid. We're going to assume this is like a euthanasia van. I don't even think we need to assume. I think it's pretty obvious. And obviously that's illegal. So that's, you know, anyway, at least in 1996 and probably in Florida, because fuck Florida. Anyway, the person in the van tells her that whenever she's ready and Janet hugs her niece and tells her not to cry. She's tired of the pain. And then Janet reaches down and switches on the IV so the liquid starts flowing. And then she tells the man in the van that you're an angel of mercy. And then she passes out. And then the niece asks if she's gone. And the doctor takes out his stethoscope and he listens for a heart. And then he's like, something's wrong, which is not something you want to hear. And then black oil starts flowing out of Janet's mouth and nose. And her niece is like, as you would be. So, yeah. Also, when she turned the little thing to make the stuff flow into her, the stuff looked black. So I was kind of like, mm, that's probably not how that should look. But I don't think it was supposed to be that it was going into her. I think they were just putting some chemicals into her. And then. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They did. Well, I guess they kind of explained the scene. It's, it's they do. Clear. They explain it later. But it's. Yeah. yeah. Sort of. Because I'm not sure why these chemicals would cause that reaction. 
Because she's dead. And so oh, because she's out. dead. So the stuff yeah. doesn't want. Ah, OK. Mm-hmm. I thought because later a chemical does that as well. Right. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's so, different. <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe I made an assumption about what that chemical was. I was making an assumption and maybe my assumption was wrong. We'll say we'll get to that when we get to it. Man, okay. this is a crazy episode as far as things that are. Yeah. 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 A lot happens. It's very quick and it's very weird. Yes. And it's the theme song. And then they change the little tagline. It's not the truth is out there. It's something in Italian. And I'm going to let Tori say it because she's Italian. (laughs) I am Italian. I do not speak Italian. Um, (laughs) I am half Italian and american and i don't speak it at all sorry noni i don't i don't speak any italian it's the me mario <laughs> that's that's about the extent of my <laughs> italian culture that and my grandma used to make this really amazing like homemade ravioli that was so so good she's still a really great cook she doesn't really make that anymore though because it's not super healthy but it's you so go good it's so good if you make any when you see her um, free some. Send it to me. Anyway. Yeah, I should. I, I should go visit Let's get her to and be like, "Let's hey, ravioli, yeah. Grandma." All right, now I'm. Yeah, now I think we're both hungry. It's not good. Anyway, yeah, it's Italian, and yeah, you should send me some ravioli. And a little off-air discussion, a little edit here. We decided that I'm going to say it because it seems like my pronunciation is better than Tori. It is. It's really. So. <laughs> he's got a better Italian accent. So, uh, I've been practicing yeah. my French accent, but that doesn't well, help me here. Yeah. So. So. It pure say move, uh-huh. and it means and yet it moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any background on that, Tori, and why they're saying this here? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I can guess based oh, on okay. the context of well, the episode, but yeah. So it's a it's apparently what Galileo said when he was held in front of court about uh... his observations, and, and yet it moves. And so, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I'm not. It's kind of a reach for this in my opinion because like they don't bring to my i don't remember them bringing up galileo at any point i mean aside from the fact that like scully is in front of congress given her testimony there's not really any connection i would have think they maybe would have gone with like say the truth is out there in russian or something like that would make more sense for this episode but yeah and apparently this i don't know because i don't speak italian but when i tried to type this in google translate google translate suggested that it's actually spelled differently. It should be E-P-P-U-R as one word, and then C-Muove. So this actually might be a mistake, too. It might be a typo. This might not be correct Italian, how they have it on screen. Because they just have E, and then P-U-R is a separate word, and then S-I, and then M-U-O-V-E. So I don't know, because I don't speak Italian. I can't say. But according to Google Translate, this tagline is not correct Italian. So who knows? (laughs) Who knows? I do not know. But it's Italian. (laughs) Yeah. Also, this is a short version of the theme credits again. So I like it. Yay. Hope they keep it because it's much better. Because I said last time, I always hated the stupid seeds. I didn't get the seeds. I didn't understand what the point was with the seeds, the little mirror image of the seeds growing. Uh I never understood that. But yeah. It's just some weird filler image. Yeah. Yeah. So then we're in St. Petersburg, Russia. And a man is sitting, dunking a tea ball into a teacup, and there's a knock on his door. Oh! And he answers the door, and the man asks, Vasily Pesko? And in Russian, he tells him he has an urgent communique from Comrade Arntzen in Krasnoyesk. 
Pesco says he's retired from all that now. Arnson anticipated that response and wants him to know the Cold War is not over. He hands mm. Pesco an envelope and he leaves and Pesco shuts the door. Then we see Mulder and he's no longer covered in that chicken wire. He is now lying on the floor of his cell. And the prisoner in the cell next door tries to get his attention. Mulder finally wakes up and sits up. The prisoner says he thought maybe Mulder was dead. He was lying there for hours. And then he tells him the first time is bad. Very bad. Mulder asks if they do this stuff to him too. And he says, yes, it becomes easier each time until it kills you. Oh, you know, Mulder asks what they did to him. And the prisoner says he's been exposed to the black cancer, the cancer that lives in the rock. <gasps> Mulder asks who he is. And the man tells him that he was a geologist, well known in his field, actually. But now he's just a test subject. He was there when they brought up the first fragments of the rock. That was before the mining, before they knew what lived in the Tunguska rock. Mulder asks how many men have died here. And the geologist says, hundreds. The search for a cure goes slowly. And Mulder asks if that's what they say the tests are for. And the geologist says, no, they tell them nothing. They're left to guess the reasons for their torture. Then Mulder asks what happened to Krychek. And the geologist says, he's most likely dining with the men responsible for our torture. He heard laughter when they left Mulder's cell. And Mulder says, he's not going to die. He has to live long enough to kill Krychek. That's how that works. Which, I mean, honestly, if you live long enough due to spite, I mean, hey, whatever fuels you, right? <laughs> and the geologist slides something through the crack in their cells it's like the shiv knife thing and Mulder asks where he got it he tells him that he made it to kill himself it took two weeks and by then he'd lost the desire Mulder asks if he'd rather suffer torture the geologist says it's wonderful the persistence of life that rock they found buried so deep in the earth that anything could survive down there goes beyond reason and then he says, they will have to kill me themselves. Ooh. And the prisoner, a geologist, is played by Stefan Arngrim. His IMDb says he was a musician in the band The Knights of the Living Dead. That's Knights with a K. Uh, <laughs> Knights oh. of the Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, from 1986 to 1993. In addition to this X-Files two-parter, he will appear in two episodes of Millennium. Oh. He's also appeared on Fringe, Dead Like Me, and Supernatural, among others. So he's a Vancouver guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So then we were at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. And it actually is in Greenbelt, Maryland. Remember from last time? It is. Scully says they haven't been able to give Sachs anything but fluids for 48 hours. They have a camera and scopes look at his veins. And there's another doctor there. So I guess Pendrel's gone. He was like, nope, zombie, getting out of here. <laughs> yeah. Pendrel's like, I'm own. done. I'm out. Out. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so there's some other doctor there with her that I don't think we ever get his name or know who he is. I don't think he's even credited in the episode, I don't think. And he says the blood in his cartoid artery looks thickened, possibly due to decreased heart rate and blood pressure. And then he sees something and he's like, what the hell is this? And Scully jumps up and she runs over. And they look, and there's like this little tiny cluster of worms, like in the scope. And Scully says, it looks like a nest, some kind of organism. And they exchange a worried look. 
Oh. Yeah. So then we're in Richmond, Virginia, and Pescow is sitting at a bus stop, and he's cutting off slices of apple, and he offers some to the woman sitting next to him. He's like, you want some apple? And she's like, no, <laughs> thank you. And then the bus pulls up, and they board the bus, and there's other passengers on there, and the bus changes its little reader thing. It says Charlottesville. I guess they're going to Charlottesville, Virginia. And then elsewhere at night, we see a woman who will learn is Dr. Sharn Sayer. And she goes into a barn. There's a bunch of horses in there. And she's startled to find a man in there with the horses. And it's Pescow. And he says, pardon me. When I was a boy, my father had a farm and horses like these. And he introduces himself and gives his name. And she's like, um, I don't know who you are and you don't belong here. And he's like, oh, I'm very, very sorry. And then she tells him that she'll call him a cab because you're just some dude in my barn. <laughs> and he says, but I've come to see you, Dr. Shinar Sayer. And she asks if she knows him. And he says, no, he doesn't know how she could. And then he grabs her by the throat and he strangles her mm-hmm. so, with yeah. one arm. Yeah, he's strong for an older dude. I mean, he's not that. Yeah. He's, what, 60s? But yay. Yeah. Powerful. He's got white hair. So, yeah. And Dr. Sharn Sayer is played by Jessica Schreier. She didn't have a lot of credits, but she will play Barbara Watts in four episodes of Millennium. I'm assuming oh. that's probably Peter Watts's wife. Or maybe his sister. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't met her yet in Millennium, so I don't know who Barbara Watts is. But, yeah, she will be in four episodes. We're going to assume she's related to Peter Watts, because that would be weird. It would be. It wouldn't be unheard of, but it would be weird. Yeah, you got that (laughs) thing about the whole Jim Jim thing. But Yeah. 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 So then we see Scully, and she's opening the door to her apartment, and Skinner walks in the hall and calls her name. And he's like, I've been trying to contact you for hours. And she apologizes. Her cell phone was turned off. And Skinner says she owes him answers about the diplomatic pouch, which was allegedly being carried by the man who was pushed off his balcony and its connection to the known fugitive he harbored despite all good sense. And now he's going to have to perjure himself to explain to the Senate committee tomorrow. And that is a serious crime. And Scully says the pouch contained some kind of biohazard organism, which is luckily being contained at NASA Goddard, which is where she's been all day trying to determine its exact nature. I remember Scully getting mad when Mulder had his phone turned off. And so now she's like, oh, sorry, my phone was turned off. Anyway, <laughs> so. Because yeah. back in the 90s, you would turn off your cell phone <laughs> or run out of battery and stuff. And so it was normal to leave your cell phone off. That didn't happen yeah. now. So then Skinner asks if she knows what the pouch's intended destination was. And she doesn't. And he says, well, I do. Because when I couldn't get a hold of you, I bent some rules. It was supposed to be delivered to a Dr. Bonita Sharn Sayer. And Scully's like, she's a well-known physician and a virologist. She's also an authority on variola viruses. And Skinner's like, variola? And Scully says, smallpox. She's been a vocal proponent of eliminating the last remaining stores of smallpox, destroying the only remaining vials in Atlanta and in the former Soviet Union. Skinner tells Scully that Dr. Sharn Sayer was killed last night. A horse stepped on her throat in a riding accident. So, yeah. One, she is immediately evil because she wants to destroy the smallpox because and that's a good way to make sure that when there's another outbreak that we have no samples to make any vaccine for it. So she's obviously evil. Yes. And I also hope that wasn't who the well-manicured man was watching riding because he'll be pissed. Yeah. But I don't know. Horses. I don't know. Could be. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. (laughs) 
So then Mulder is pulled out of his cell by a guard who hits him when he doesn't immediately get up. And he's marched outside with the other prisoners and everyone's wearing gray uniforms. And they're all kind of walking like zombies, honestly. Yeah, well, I don't know how much energy you'd have if you were being kept in a cell and fed roach soup and yeah. And being injected with black oil and other stuff. Yeah. So they amble out to a field where there's a platform and there's a truck pulling up to it. And the geologist is behind Mulder and he says, is that your friend? And he nods at one of the men on the platform. And we see that it's Krychek and he's wearing a green jacket and he's being friendly with one of the men in charge. And so the geologist tells Mulder he has one chance. So a guard comes up and yells at them in Russian and the men keep shuffling through the mud. And Mulder watches Krychek and the man on the platform. And then he just like bolts and runs for the platform and he attacks Krychek and drops him to the ground and hits him in the face, which knocks Krychek into the bed of the truck. Then Mulder hops in the truck and he drives off, crashing through the chain link fence. So it's very quick, but it's a very effective escape. Like he just like goes and punches, gets in the truck and drives off. It's very lucky that no one shot him or stopped him or grabbed him. Yeah, because he ran a long way and no one like reacts until he's like up on the platform. Yeah. And then yeah, I don't know. It was uh, (laughs) it's like that scene in the other episode when like they're like they throw up the thing and we're all we're FBI and they're all just standing there and the dudes that have guns basically pointed at them are like, oh let's not shoot the FBI. Let's back into a corner. It's like come on. And then they wait to open fire and it's just yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. writing and it's a commercial. Yep. And then we come back. So as Mulder drives, the Russians pursue on horseback and they're firing at the truck, but they finally give up because the truck is obviously going faster than the horses and they head back to the prison. And so Mulder keeps driving and Krychek comes to in the truck bed because he had been knocked out and Mulder barrels down the hill, but then the truck's brakes give out. So he tries to keep control as the truck keeps like, careening down the dirt road and then Krychek uses this as an opportunity to jump from the truck to get away so he jumps off and Mulder crashes into some trees and then he goes over the edge into a ditch and then the cigarette smoking man is at a house and he finds the well manicured man sitting on a porch and he's smoking (gasps) maybe he's going to become the new cigarette smoking man I don't know (laughs) we'll have cigarette smoking men (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and the cigarette smoking man is like, that's a nasty habit. Bad for the health. Because I don't know if you've been like healed by an alien, but I have. Anyway, the well-manicured man says health is the least of the concerns at the moment. He stamps out the cigarette. And then the cigarette smoking man lights up his own cigarette and says, yeah, I heard your personal physician suffered a riding accident right here on your property. And the well-manicured man says, Dr. Sharn Sayre was murdered. And then the cigarette smoking man is like, by whom? And the manicured man says, if I knew, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you. And then the cigarette smoking man says, oh, you need me now? And the well-manicured man says it was a professional hit. And then the cigarette smoking man points out that well-manicured man is out here all alone. So vulnerable. Man, he's just like telegraphing. Like, hey, I did this. (laughs) You shouldn't talk (laughs) shit to me. But, whew. Anyway, he asks if the well-manicured man was sleeping with her, which is not none of your business, dude. None nope. of your business. And the well-manicured man tells him to find her killer. And the cigarette smoking man tells him to call off the Senate investigation. 
And the little manicured man says he can't. But Sorensen is an honorable man. They're all honorable men. And then the well manicured man starts to walk off. And the cigarette smoking man says he heard Mulder was captured in Tunguska. And then the well manicured man turns around. And the cigarette smoking man says, Now I hear that he's escaped. Wake the Russian bear, and it may find we've stolen its honey. And the well manicured man just leaves. And then the cigarette smoking man smiles and takes another drag on a cigarette. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Boom, called it. <laughs> Although I'm not sure why the well manicured man is not making the connection, though, that like the cigarette smoking man had her killed. I don't know. That said, the well manicured man does say, like, quote, but Senator Sorensen is an honorable man. They are all honorable, these honorable men. And that is what Mark Antony reportedly said while speaking at Caesar's funeral. For yes. Brutus is an honorable man. So they are all. All honorable men. It was rhetorical sarcasm because Antony suspected Brutus mm -hmm. to be part of the group that killed Caesar because he was. Mm -hmm. So maybe the well manicured man is making the connection and is playing the game quietly. Although they're both like just giving each other clues of like, why are they doing? I don't know why they're doing this. They're both just saying like, I killed her, and he's like, I know, but they're just not <laughs> saying it out loud. I don't. It's weird. They're weird people, but. Yeah, there's also this weird movie. I think it's called Free Enterprise that I really loved when I was younger. That is highly problematic now that i'm older enough to realize it but it's basically about these guys who are turning 30 and they're big star trek fans and they end up meeting william shatner and all william shatner wants to do is create a musical about julius caesar where he plays all the parts no. and at the very end there's like this song it's like a rap version of that monologue from mark antony and so like oh. there's the whole like honorable men honorable men anyway that's a super deep cut and not something that most people have probably seen it's weird but i used to really like that movie it's got like eric mccormick in it it's just a weird movie about nerds turning 30 and having to be adults basically i was gonna look this up and then i got sidetracked and i realized i forgot to look it up do you know if that mark anthony quote is actually historical or is that from shakespeare i thought it was from shakespeare but i don't okay. know for sure okay so yeah i, I kind of assumed that it was probably Shakespeare, but and then again, I don't know. I don't know if Shakespeare was taking it from like history, yeah, like someone else, doing writing. Yeah. So I don't know. But I meant yeah. to look it up and I forgot. So yeah, I don't know. I just know every time I hear that, like I just think of that rap song and like it's it's a fun. You can find the clip on YouTube. It's a fun little clip about. It's called No Tears for Caesar, and it's just like a weird little thing from a weird little movie. If you're a nerd okay. and yeah, and we're into Star Trek as a teen, yeah. All right. Like I was. So anyway, <laughs> that's where my brain goes. So then we're in Russia again, and the men on horses come across the crash truck and there's blood inside it, but Mulder is gone. So the men are like, we must find him. Yeah, sort of like maybe like he hit his head on the windshield kind of blood on it. So, yeah. yeah. And we see Krychek is running through the woods and he gets surrounded by a group of men and all of them are missing their left arms. Oh. Yeah. And Krychek's like, what do you want from me? And then he tries to tell them he escaped from a prison camp. And the leader looks at his clothes and he's like, you're a liar. And Krychek says that he's American and he's been falsely accused of spying. The man says, well, 
then your enemy is our enemy and we can protect you. And so we do get subtitles here of what's yes. going on because they're speaking in Russian. And we got that earlier too, when they were, you know, in the, in the opening, when they show up at Pascal's house and everything. So we're getting subtitles in this episode, but even not understanding Russian, you can hear how Krychek switches his style of Russian to sound less fluent when he starts to say that he's American. So I'm kind of like, I would think they would notice that. I mean, maybe they do, but it's like you can definitely, even as someone who doesn't understand Russian, you can totally tell just by like his affectation and like his stammering that he's suddenly mm-hmm. like trying to sound like he doesn't speak Russian fluently. It's kind of right. interesting, which if you spoke Russian would be a, you would, you would get that. You would suddenly know, but it's just interesting that he does that. Maybe he's just not a good actor. Yeah. So, I mean, not Nicholas Leah, but maybe like. Right. Krychek. Yeah. Krychek yeah. is. Yeah. Or maybe he is. Hmm. Meanwhile, the prison guards keep searching the woods with flashlights, although it's dark now, and they pass over this area, and then we see that Mulder is actually hiding in the leaves and muck, and so he's, like, buried himself in leaves and watches them pass. Oh, same move he pulled in the wood chips in Heronvolk. Yeah, he's got a trick. It works. Yeah, maybe only one, but I guess it keeps working, so that's fine. <laughs> it does keep working. So, hey. <laughs> well, at least for now. So you use what's sorry. in your toolkit, you know? <laughs> yeah. So then we're at the Senate Select Subcommittee on Intelligence and Terrorism, Washington, D.C. And that sounds familiar. Yeah. And then Scully is sworn in and she's read. So basically we get the scene that we got last episode where she's reading yeah. the statement, that kind of stuff. But this time as she's doing that, we see someone hand Chairman Romine a note and then he hands it back to the person and then it's passed to Sorensen. And then Skinner is watching this note passing and then Romine interrupts her as he did last episode. And then again, Sorensen's like, Hey, do you know where Mulder's at? And she refuses to answer. Although this time she does say, I refuse to answer instead of saying, I decline to answer. So they changed the dialogue a little bit in this version. Hmm. So I'm not sure why. And I'm not sure if that was intentional, if that was a mistake, obviously means they refilmed it. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on. But, you know, she's like, I refuse to answer because I believe doing so would endanger Mulder's life. And then Sorensen says, that's not an option. And she tries to read her statement. And he's like, are you tendering your resignation? And she says, no, even though I just said that I can't do my job anymore. And then she mentions the culture of lawlessness. And then Skinner is kind of doing that look that Scully usually does when Mulder is giving testimony in court of like, oh, my God, what are you doing? So. And then she's threatened with contempt if she doesn't answer the question. And then later we see Scully being walked by U.S. Marshal and she's thrown into a cell and uh, is clothed and she just stands there looking all petulant. So I'm guessing she didn't answer. So, Nope, she did not answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, man, if you say, like, I can no longer perform my duties, like, you're saying you're resigning. I don't know what the, why she's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like, no, it is what you're saying. I don't know, but yeah, well, I think what she's saying is I can't perform my duties under these circumstances. Yeah, that unless you implied, change everything. But yeah, like, it does. Mm. It does sound like a resignation. It's weird. The whole it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's Scully. She's speechifying. Let's do, do, do. Yeah. So. Text files. Yay. <laughs> so then we see a man walking over to where Mulder is hiding. And apparently it stops working because the dude just like grabs him and like pulls him out of the leaves. And it's the driver from the truck. And he drags Mulder to his home and he throws the man in. And he's like, this man ruined my truck. So that was his truck. 
he's not happy mm-hmm. and the wife is like he's hurt and there's like we can't keep him here the camp wardens are looking for him and she's like well if we can't keep him here why did you bring him here you know what? i'm gonna try and take care of him because i'm a woman and that's what women do that's what, that's, <laughs> i don't know that's, she doesn't say that but it's like that's the scene is awful anyway the driver leaves and the woman gives Mulder water and says something in russian and he's like no russian and so then she speaks english and he tells her to tell her husband that he's sorry about the truck and then she like is i don't know what she's doing but like she pulls up his sleeve for some reason and she sees that he's got an injection mark on his arm and she's like the test they kill everybody for that test and she says her husband makes deliveries for them so they spare their lives but with no truck ooh, uh-oh. Uh-uh. and then Mulder says they have to go now they'll come looking for him and for her and she says, no, there are other ways. And then she calls her son into the room and her son is missing his left arm. And she says, no arm, no test. I'm like, you just said that they weren't have, like, it only worked for your husband driving the truck. Like they wouldn't take your son. Like you just said that, I don't know, anyway. And also you have two arms. It's only the left arm work. I don't understand any of this. Yeah, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how this works either. I know it relates to the smallpox scar. So they're using and like, that. You could put that anywhere. I can inject your leg. It's just like the arm is a convenient spot. If like if someone is born with no arms, are they like, oh, you're fucked. You don't get a vaccine. Sorry. No, no but I think the idea that. is they're removing the smallpox scar because that's the identification that they use for the test. I don't know why that uh, matters. I don't know why that would prevent you from. I yeah, I don't. I understand. thought that was just the infection because they're 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 trying out the the black oil vaccine, and that's where they injected the, the test because they're doing the test to see if they can come up with a cure for it, like a prevent. I don't know. I I don't know. It's weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense because like, yeah, you have another arm, you have legs. Like, there's other places to enjoy. It doesn't. I I don't get that part at yeah. all. And so maybe sorry, someone, kid. Your mom thought it was a good idea to chop your arm off. Maybe um, someone can, because you know, there's that whole group of people that don't have their left arms clearly to avoid this test. But like, yeah. maybe someone smarter than me can like explain to me what's going on with that because I don't get it. I don't know. When I got my COVID test, I got my first one in my right arm, and then when I got my second and my booster. I got them both in my left arm because that's where I was seated and it was easier for the doctor to do that. Yeah, it didn't make a difference. And so it doesn't. I got all mine in my left arm because mine were all drive up. So (laughs) I did all the drive up. So they they just shoot it in the arm that's closer to them and then you move on. Um, Yeah. So anyway. I don't know. Yeah, the left arm thing. I don't understand why that would prevent them from testing on you. But that's what's going on here, I guess. Yeah. But he's like, no, like the scar on your arm is like a idea. So we're getting back to that thing like Scully discovered where like the smallpox vaccination is a tracker. So, but I don't know that he knows that she has, does he know that she has a smallpox scar? I mean, that's like an American thing. I don't know. Anyway, but I guess that's what what they're saying though. So that's like, I think that's what we're supposed to understand. And that's why I don't really get it. But I guess they're. They're saying that if you have the smallpox scar, you have those identifications, those identifiers that Scully discovered, and they're using that somehow with the black oil test. And so if you don't have the arm, you don't have those markers, they can't do it. But I don't understand why. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. Mm. And he's like, help me get to St. Petersburg. And then the door opens and the driver comes back in and he's got a big old knife. So scary, scary. I don't know if Mulder's going to lose his arm. 
Speaking of, then Krychek is sleeping by a fire and the man who rescued him, quote unquote, grab him and one pulls a red hot knife out of the fire. And then they pull off his coat and they start cutting off his left arm and <gasps> screams. Oh, shit. So someone's losing their left arm. Damn, dude. I mean, yeah. I'm a tannin, so I'm like, mm. I know me, too. Yeah, that would not be good for me. Would not enjoy that. And then Scully Plus, is then all re- that money I spent on this tattoo. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a tattoo on my left arm also. Yeah. So, well, I've got, hey. I've got well, I've got one big one and I've got a small one and then I've got a small one. On my, right? I just have but, a yeah, little I have so. a little phrase. Yeah, I would basically lose like, yeah. Well, I guess depending on where you, you have to like totally take off my shoulder to lose the whole tattoo. Yeah. But still, mine's on the upper shoulder. Gone. Yeah. So that'd be yeah. sad. Although mine's it's gotten kind of blurry. It's harder to read than it used to be. Uh, anyway. anyway, so then Scully's in her cell and she's reading a book on variola viruses by Doctor Sharn Sayer. Well, that's convenient. Yeah, and Skinner is let into her cell and he asks how she's holding up. She says, well, I've got plenty to read. And Skinner sits and he says he understands her protecting Agent Mulder, but he and then Scully says, it's not just Mulder I'm protecting. And he asks what she's doing. And Scully says they were called before this committee to answer questions about a murder and an intercepted diplomatic pouch that was meant to be delivered to a prominent doctor, a woman who's now dead, delivered by a man who's also dead. And the contents of the pouch has now infected an exobiologist with a paralyzing toxin. And yet, what are they stuck on? Mulder's whereabouts. Skinner says she means that it's the wrong question. Scully points out several members of the committee are lawyers. And lawyers like to ask the wrong questions when they don't want to answer the right ones. And Skinner says, unless Mulder has found those answers. And Scully says, or unless someone wants to make sure he doesn't find them. She says she's inclined to believe these senators are acting in the interest of the truth, but she doesn't trust her own judgment there. And Skinner asks, so you're going to follow Agent Mulder's? The whole, like, several members are lawyers and lawyers. Like, they're senators. Like, some of the, like, why she's like, they were lawyers before they became senators. I know, but, like, the fact that's why they're senators, and you think, like, the fact that they're senators are going to override it, I don't know. It's just weird that she's, like, lawyers. Like, we're getting a little lawyer digging here. I guess maybe we don't want to, like, impinge, like, the status of senators by saying, like, lawmakers don't want to ask the right questions. We have to, like, do lawyer baiting. I don't know. It's just weird. You're in a Senate committee. Like... Several members are lawyers. No, but they're also all senators. Uh-huh. No, I know. Isn't that like the Maybe they don't want to shit talk senators. Maybe that's, that's what I'm what thinking. It is. Yeah. It's just weird. It's just, again, it's just. The, uh, so at Goddard, Pascal enters the room where sex is being kept. And Pascal's not, he's like, I don't need your protective gear. <laughs> and he goes in there and he looks at Sack's face and then he pulls out a syringe and he fills it with some brownish liquid from a bottle. And he checks it in the sack's neck, like right because sacks is still in his level four suit, right? And so he just right through the suit. And then he watches the black oil starts to run from sack's eyes and mouth. And then he unplugs the pressure on sack's suit. And then he grabs the rock sample, which is now under glass, and he takes off. So this is where I was confused because right. I thought what he injected was what made the stuff come out. 
And maybe what he injected, I just assumed because we're going to find out later that they're like both Russia and the United States are trying to work on some vaccine for the black oil stuff, right? So mm-hmm. you can't be controlled by the aliens. And I assumed that that was a vaccine, like they have figured it out. Although uh, they figured it out, why are they still oh. doing tests on people? I don't understand. But maybe it was actually just like a, a kill you thing. Yeah, and just so like some kind of poison out. that killed yeah. them. And so then the black so, oil runs Which out. I guess would make more sense because if they did have a, a functioning vaccine, why the hell are they still doing all these tests on people? So he must have just injected him with something that killed him. Yeah, I think so. But it's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was I was thinking it was something different, but I was wrong. So maybe I don't know. It's hard. There's so many. Uh, anyway. <laughs> we oh we keep saying that it's like hard to <laughs> not keep saying that like stuff does not make sense. Yeah, that's so. I mean, that does make sense to me, but there's a lot that just isn't adding up. And so it's like, OK, sure, whatever. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So then we see the cigarette smoking man and he's holding a photo of Pascal and he tells the well manicured man that he was a KGB agent. And the little mannequin man asked, like, how could the Russians know they're working on their own inoculation? And he's like, only six of them knew. And the cigarette smoking man implies that maybe Sharn Sayre wasn't trustworthy. And the well mannequin man says she absolutely was. And the cigarette smoking <laughs> man says, I don't know. And then the well mannequin man tells him to find Pescal. And the cigarette smoking man says, if my intelligence sources are right, someone might save us the trouble. Who could his sources be? I don't know. So then Scully is brought back before the Senate committee. Sorensen tells her she's had a good long time to think about the question that was asked in the last session, and he wants her to answer it. Scully says she can't answer it, but she'd be happy to answer questions about the man carrying the diplomatic pouch and his murder and its connection to Dr. Sharn Sayer, or the biotoxin being transported in the pouch. Sorensen tells her again to just answer the question about Mulder, right? That's all yeah. they want to hear. And like at every comma, he's basically like trying to interrupt her. Like that's not mm-hmm. what, and she just keeps going. So, yeah. yeah. But then from the back of the room, Mulder calls, what is the question? And he walks in. Yay, Whoa. Mulder's there. Um, he has a big bruise on his forehead and his suit looks a little unkempt, but he's, he's all right. He looks intact. And Scully is visibly relieved to see him. Like, she's very glad she's not going to have to keep saying, I don't know where he is to the Senate committee. And also probably glad he's alive and stuff. I'm sure that's part of it, too. But also that she's not going to be better. (laughs) I mean, maybe. (laughs) So he sits down behind Scully in the audience and Ronemine tells Scully to continue. She says she'd like to finish making her point. He asks what that point is. And yeah, she says, it's not clear because you're just talking. <laughs> she says that the death of Dr. Sharn Sayer, given her area of expertise, suggests she knew something about the toxin and perhaps its origin. And that knowledge may be linked to the death of the man in Skinner's apartment building. And then Skinner walks in and he's surprised to see Mulder. And Skinner whispers something to Scully. And Sorison is not happy about that. And Scully says that Skinner has just informed her there's been an accident relevant to the case. The doctor infected with the toxin has just died under suspicious circumstances, and the contents of the diplomatic pouch has been stolen. (gasps) Yeah. So Romine says he's going to recess this hearing until the new matter can be explained. Mm. And then Scully spins around and she hugs Mulder and he hugs her back and says that he gets his arms around her, both of them. And then he adds that it's been a long, strange trip. And Skinner's like, 
another time. There's been enough strangeness here to sort through. He's and like, get so- a room, get a room. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to get the hose out here in a minute. You better <laughs> get off. And Scully says she's made connections about what the toxin might be. And Mulder says, so has he. Scully asks Skinner for his permission to book two tickets to Boca Raton, Florida. It shouldn't take them more than 12 to 15 hours. But she says she'll need him to stall the committee until they get back. Skinner says if she explains it to him, he'll have to explain it to them. So he doesn't want to know what's going on. He's just like, don't don't inform me here. Mm -hmm. He just suggests they do everything in their power to make it back for tomorrow's session or he can't help them. And then he he walks away. Caught up in their bullshit, man. Yeah, he's, he, he's got enough bullshit. I mean, a guy just fell to his death from his apartment. So Skinner's got enough. Succubus wife him. is missing. Uh-uh. <laughs> just a lot of stuff happening. No one ever asked what happened to his wife. He's very cranky about that. No. Anyway. <laughs> so Mulder asks Scully, Boca Raton? And Scully tells him that Dr. Sharn Sayer was a board member and chief physician for a chain of elder care convalescent hospitals around the country. Guess what one of her patients died of in Boca Raton? <gasps> I don't know. Death? They died yeah. of mm, death. death. Yeah. I think most people die of death. So, yeah. Anyway, this, that scene is when Mulder hugs her, it's weird because, like, he's just like, yeah, I get to put both my arms around you, which is a weird thing to say anyway. But then also, he doesn't. He only puts his right arm around her and his left arm, like, stays, like, <laughs> at his side like we're supposed to think like oh my god he doesn't have an arm they chopped it off but then he says like he has it's it's really i don't know i don't know if they were trying to i don't know what they're there's some other stuff later too that like dialogue and actions don't jive so it's just weird yeah but it's yeah it's like like they're playing it for the audience like does Mulder have an arm <gasps> is it missing but then he's like I get to put both arms around you but then he only puts one anyway so it's like unless he's like grabbing her ass with the other one I can't tell it looks like it's not moving so I'm guessing he's not but, mm-hmm. but yeah so then we're back at Harrow Convalescent Home in Boca Raton Florida and it's 8 15 p.m and a nurse checks on a patient and then walks away and passes Pescow as she goes he's coming in the room and he goes in there and they, then he just walks into the room where they store their medicine, which apparently isn't under like lock and key or anything. And he swaps out a couple of different bottles of pills. So that's cool. Yeah. And it's weird because like the nurse walks past him and he's he's not a patient and she would know all the patients you would assume. Yeah. So it's just weird because she doesn't even say anything like you're out of bed like she thinks he's a patient or who are you? <laughs> why are you here at night why are you here after visiting hours like it's just super weird that she doesn't react to him at all i don't know yeah so i'm 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 guessing he's like i'm guessing he's like putting in pills that have like black oil worms in them maybe or maybe he's taking away pills that did have black oil worms in them i don't know what's going on but he's swapping out some pills so Yeah. yeah yeah and as i mentioned earlier like we're gonna pretty soon see a scene with got some weirdness that is weird but we'll talk about that at the end so i think there's a reason for the next bit of weirdness the one arm thing i have no idea on but the next thing i think i have a reason for although it also doesn't make sense but yeah so then scully and Mulder arrive at the home and ask the nurse for permission to speak with her and any of her patients and she's like what about and Mulder's like can we come in and she's like yeah and so he just like goes in and she's like oh i guess i said yes okay and then inside scully's like when were these patients last checked and the nurse is like an hour ago at bed check. 
And then Scully walks up to a bed and takes a pulse. And she's like, this patient is dead. And the nurse is like, <gasps> and then Mulder walks over and sees the black oil leeches leaving some woman's face and eyes. And then she's dead too. And she's got a little pill cup. And Mulder's like, these people were test subjects. I think they've been poisoned. And then Scully is like, who gave these patients their meds tonight? And the nurse is like, I did. And Scully tells her to call 911 and tell them they have an emergency quarantine of a biohazard material. And she wants to see all the entrances to the hospital and they need to seal the building immediately. That's a big list. Like one at a time, Scully, like it's one <laughs> lady. Like, what do you want done first? Like prioritize. Anyway, then they leave the room and we see Pescal is in one of the beds, like the covers over him. And then he gets up and leaves once they're gone. And then it's commercial. Yeah. So. And this was the weirdness, because aside from Mulder saying, like, I think these people were test patients, no one reacts to the leeches coming out of people's faces. Like, the nurse sees them, Scully sees them, Mulder sees them, and all we get is, like, I think these people were test patients. And that's it. There's no explanation at all. And I think I have one. There's something that happened with this episode, and we will talk about it at the end, because it might explain some other stuff that's Okay. Okay. But yeah, but yeah, this I'm is a very weird scene. It is because... the whole. Yeah, it's very odd. Because like, like they react to like, oh my god, these people are dead. Like they're acting that way. But like that lady that Mulder sees is not the only person who's got those on their face. And so it's like, but no one is paying attention to them. So I don't yeah. know what's going on. But maybe they were added in post and they didn't know they were going to be there. <clears throat> you actually hit on it there you go but we'll oh, talk okay. about it more okay yeah. we'll talk so. about it <laughs> that would be my guess but yeah that yeah okay we'll talk about it more yeah. then there's like it's deeper than that but that is that is definitely what happened so okay. yeah gotcha gotcha so then we're at a federal correctional facility in new york city and scully says she doesn't know what Mulder hopes to learn here Mulder says every death that's happened can be traced back to one man scully says according to Mulder, that man is in russia possibly even dead but Mulder says he isn't working alone. Ooh. And then they're led into the cell of Terry Edward Mayhew. Mulder tells Mayhew he wants to have a little off-the-record chat about Alex Krychek, the man who set him up with the rest of his militia. Yeah, so he's the leader of the group from the people who got arrested last episode. Yeah, who were so. setting up the bomb, like the truck Yeah. Bomb. Mulder says he came into contact with him in North Dakota while salvaging materials from a missile silo. Scully asks how Krychek, or Arnson, as Mayhew knew him, came into contact with them. Yeah, because when they ask him about Krychek, he doesn't know who Krychek is, but then he mentions the name Arnson, so that's how. And that's, yeah, that was the yeah, alias Krychek. That's how, that's how Scully gets the name, I'm like she knew that already, so just yeah. for clarification, yeah. Mayhew says he came to them with building materials and some ideas about trying to build two devices. Mulder asks if he ever mentioned black cancer. Mayhew says, oh, yeah. Krychek told them it was developed by the Soviets and Saddam used it in the Gulf. Scully says, you mean used as bio-warfare? Mayhew says that's why they made those servicemen take all those pills. The U.S. government knew about it but lied because they didn't have a cure or inoculation. And then Mayhew says he's got nothing more to say. So Scully turns to leave. And Mulder says, if there were two devices, what happened to the other bomb? And Mayhew's just like, I ate it. You know, he's being, being a jerk. Mm -hmm. So Mulder grabs him and pulls him into a headlock. And Scully calls his name more. And she's like, Mulder. 
And Mulder threatens him to tell him where the other bomb is. Mayhew says Krychek stole it, truck and all. It's in some storage garage in Terma, North Dakota. Yep. Mulder get aggro. Yeah, a little bit aggro. As they walk down the hall of the prison, Mulder tells Galea to get license numbers for any two-ton truck stolen in North Dakota in the last six months. Then she should call the Canadian border authorities and have them stop any truck fitting that description. Tell them they're looking for a bomb. Mulder tells Galea this has been a setup from the beginning. Someone used Krychek and then Krychek used them. Someone who didn't want that rock in American hands. And then he's like, where would you put the rock if you didn't want it to be found? And Scully says, back in the ground. Yeah, I just realized, I guess I should have realized that Mulder treats Scully like a secretary a lot. Like, hey, get these numbers for me. Hey, go do this. <laughs> go do this. Go do this. So hmm. anyway. in this episode, a little bit. Yeah, like I think that. Yeah, they do tend to direct each other, but I feel like in this episode, he is giving her a lot yeah. of like... Well, he's like, always having her look up stuff and get him stuff, and almost like she's his assistant, kind of. like it's kind Yeah, of that'll that'll come to a head later this season a little bit. Oh, okay. A little bit. Well, I mean, uh, she's always like, how far am I going to follow you? And then she follows him all the way. So I don't <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. But, yeah. So then we're at the border crossing in Alberta, Canada. We've been in Alberta before. I don't know if we're going to the same place or not, but mm-mm-mm. it's nighttime. And Pascal tells the guard at the border that the fertilizer in the back of his truck is for his hothouse tomatoes. And he's got like a super thick accent. He's, tra- he's really playing it up. And the border guard is like, all right, fine. And gives him back his ID. And Pascal thanks him and then closes the back of his truck. So border guard, what are you doing? Anyway, then it's daytime and there's a helicopter. <laughs> and Mulder and Scully are inside. And it lands and Mulder gets out and he tells Scully to go back to the refinery and see if she can find out anything about the truck. And then the helicopter takes off and Mulder runs to the truck that's parked in the middle of a field. And it's locked up. He tries to look through the back window, but he can't. And so then he goes over to a pipe and a spigot coming out of the ground. So it's like an oil rig kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not like the big scaffolding, but it's basically a oil pipe in the ground and there's a vent with all that kind of stuff going on. And then back at the refinery, Scully gets out of the helicopter and she grabs a fence and then we see her like inside. So we assume she they climb the fence. They don't show Jillian Anderson or a stunt person climbing the fence. We can assume that's probably what happened. And then Pascal's at the refinery as well. He's on an upper level and then he goes in and he closes a door. And somehow Scully has like daredevil hearing because she hears it, even though she's like in the middle of a refinery. And so she looks up and then Mulder, meanwhile, opens a grate and tries to reach something inside a pipe. And then suddenly oil begins shooting out from the drill well nearby. And Mulder grabs a crowbar and he's trying to reach whatever's in the pipe. And he's getting sprayed with oil as it comes down from the sky, right? Because it's all shooting up in the air. And then Scully jogs along a catwalk at the oil refinery and she reaches the valve room, but it's locked. (gasps) The Mulder is covered in oil. And then he hears this like beep, 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 beep. And he's like, (gasps) he runs. And then truck explodes. Explodes and all the oil catches fire. And then Scully sees the blast over the tree line. And then Pescal grabs her from behind and puts a gun to her head. And he says, I would just as soon kill you, but please don't make me. My work is done. And then he leaves and doesn't mm-hmm. kill her or mm-hmm. nothing. And uh, he walks away. And then she runs towards the blast. And we, we have all these murderers who are like, Oh, that's not on my report of what I need to do. So I guess I won't kill you. Too bad. Bye. Like, <laughs> man, I swear. 
the writing is just killing. They're me. ethical assassins. They only kill they're people very, they're sent to kill. They're like, and no, no one murder else. is free. I get paid for all my murder. Yeah, there you go. They're like, very. God, they're entrepreneurs they're like you know what i wouldn't get paid for this i'm not gonna bother so just stay where you are and he does like back yeah. away with the gun on her the whole time so i know like but still shoot, he's like i'm leaving still. bye yeah, yeah. like dude boom she's dead i mean she wouldn't <laughs> need to be dead because the alien assassin would have killed her in heron volk but no it didn't do that because like no i don't want to kill you i only kill aliens <laughs> well thank Whatever, goodness dude. thank goodness for oh my god guys. The oil is like shooting out, and as I said, it's on fire. And Scully runs across the field. They hold the shot of Scully running across this big open field. Like, I don't even know why that's in there. Like, that is bad direction, in my opinion. But anyway, we don't need to see Scully running. It looks goofy. Like, let's just do a close up of her running. Big wide shot. Anyway, she runs and she grabs him, and he's on the field and he's okay because he's like really far away. He ran. Boulder's good at running. He got pretty far away, and the blast probably knocked him down. And he's yeah. Running. He's not on fire or anything, though. He no, he's fine. He's, he's so, okay. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. And the van looks totally almost like the doors are open, but it doesn't look exploded. It's just like, oh, look, I'm everyone opened my doors. And then there's a oil. Well, I don't know what's going on anyway. <laughs> but then we're back at the Senate committee and Scully is in front of him. And Romine says he's been told she has evidence to present. And Scully says, yes, evidence linking a number of deaths to a biotoxin that was transported onto U.S. soil by a courier who was also killed. Sorensen asks if it's the same man pushed from Skinner's apartment. Scully confirms that it is, but the man has not been ID'd. Sorensen asks if they know who pushed him. Scully says it was Alex Krychek who is missing and possibly dead. He asks if she's in possession of the pouch or its contents. And she's, she's not. And so he asks what she's presenting today then. Scully says she has documents and interviews in support of a wide-ranging conspiracy to control a lethal biotoxin that's extraterrestrial. Which, I gotta say, I love that Scully is the one for saying this and not Mulder. Well, I mean, say, I mean, that's just saying it's not from this planet. I mean, that's, yes. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a yeah. rock from Mars. Anything mm-hmm. on it should technically be extraterrestrial. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I just love that it's Scully yeah. doing it and not Mulder. Because usually Mulder's the one who's having to give the testimony about whatever. Okay, I, th- I thought you meant the whole extraterrestrial thing. Sorry. Well, that too, but the fact that, you know, it's not Mulder who's doing it, it's Scully. And yeah. even though you're right, it would be extraterrestrial because it yeah. came from it's like saying outside UFO. the planet. But UFO just means unidentified flying object. Right. You don't know what or it now, is. Now the kids are calling it UAP is the cool term. Yeah, unidentified Which, uh, aerial phenomenon. Yeah. Phenomenon. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Cool kids. Well, <laughs> that includes like Whitley Strieber and other people who yeah, are take a hit off your vape and go in the corner, whatever. <laughs> yeah, all those people. Anyways, that's the new term is UAP. Anyway, so Sorensen snidely asked if they're talking about little green men. And Scully says, No, sir, not at all. And Mulder cuts in and he's like, Why is it so hard to believe? Because <laughs> Mulder. When the accepted discovery of life on another planet is front page of newspapers around the world with every reason to believe that life is thriving outside our terrestrial sphere. If they cannot accept the possibility, then the whole committee should be held in contempt. That's not what they're there for, Mulder. Sorison says that that's not why they're here today. And Mulder says, then why are we here? 
And Romine suggests that they recess until the evidence can be properly evaluated. Yeah, Mulder just watched it justice for all. I'm out of order. You're out of order. This whole court is out of order. Yeah, probably. Aliens. So, yeah. So then we're in St. Petersburg, Russia, and Peskai returned to his apartment, and someone is inside. And then we get subtitles, right? Because this is all going to be in Russian. And he says, please, if you're here to ask for another favor, I am retired, comrade Krychek. Krychek says that he's there to congratulate him on a fine job. And then we see Krychek is dunking some tea into a cup with a prosthetic hand. And this is why I was like, <gasps> because I realized that this actually bookends the opening with the, mm-hmm. the cup. I actually didn't get that when I watched it for some reason, but I got it when we're reading it. So, yeah. And then in his office, Sorensen is looking through documents and he hands a folder to the cigarette smoking man. And the cigarette smoking man looks it over and then he tosses it into the trash with several others. <gasps> and then it's the end. No, to be continued on this one. No three-parter. Mm-mm-mm. Just a two-parter. Yep, that's it. So that that's Terma, which is also now over. So, you know, yeah, it's over. Yay! <laughs> when the cigarette smoky man is looking at the file, some ash falls off his cigarette into the file. And you can tell his immediate reaction as an actor is that that was a mistake. Like, because he kind of, he kind of, he kind of makes a move at first because like, you know, like you would do like, oh, I got to wipe this off. But he actually stays in character and doesn't do that and just keeps looking at it. And then he like goes and, you know, drops the whole thing in the garbage. And I'm really surprised they didn't reshoot that because I don't think that was what was supposed to happen, especially the way yeah. he reacted. But given the other stuff that, again, we will talk about shortly, maybe that makes sense why they did. Also, it could have just been a director thing that maybe Rob Bowman didn't maybe do a job that I'm approving of. Although apparently <laughs> else did. I don't know. But... <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> so Nick Lee really enjoyed filming this episode because they got to spend a lot of time outside. So that's funny. He likes us. outside apparently. Okay. Yeah. Um, he does regret some of his acting choices when they cut off his arm. He he's especially regrets like he should have jerked his body more like to the motion of it and i guess he just when he watches it now i guess that's a deep regret he holds because he talks about it. he's like oh i should yeah, have done that i don't know about though because they're like all holding him down like he's got a bunch of dudes holding him down so how much could he jerk i don't know yeah i don't know, I don't know that, either but i guess but yeah, clearly I when he watches it back he's like oh i should have done something else yeah. and david the company observed how differently manners and bowman approached the two parts of this episode manners was more attuned to the relationship between Mulder and scully whereas bowman was more attuned to like the action flick quality of the show. He's very more into the, you know, the action shots, like the it seemed more like manners was just more attuned to the details of what's going on in the episode. Yeah, I agree. I think manners Bowman is more detail oriented and Bowman just much. really likes explosions and running. Yeah. Which I mean the action flick that would explain the whole scully running across the big open uh-huh. field. Just, yeah. That just looks so weird. Especially because the suit she's wearing in that one is almost the same color as the field, which looks really weird. So she's got like a little, I guess, I don't know what you call it. Cause it would, it would be a three peat suit if she was wearing a jacket under her trench coat, but I'm not sure that she was, I think she was just wearing the vest. So I'm not sure what you would call it without the jacket, but 
because not a two-piece suit that would be pants and a jacket but she's got like pants and the vest but i don't think she's wearing the jacket under her trench coat but i don't know so yeah anyway i didn't like that scene so <laughs> that's fine then, that's totally fine that? and then and then the thing with this so here's the thing with the special effects like you 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 totally hit on it that those were added obviously i mean obviously yeah those weren't like real leeches they had on people's face right they're added <laughs> right. in post-production apparently depending on where you lived in the country you saw different versions of this episode oh interesting because they ran against the wire so hard on this that people in some time zones actually saw versions without all the digital effects in it which means they actually are streaming this shit live i did not that's crazy or um, at least getting the version to the like the broadcast yeah, center like right away like yeah, yeah. So i don't know yeah so they actually like depending on where you lived you actually saw different versions which would be still means that they must have decided to add those in afterwards and they weren't in the script because otherwise the result would have been for some people them reacting to the leeches and then not uh-huh. being there so I, I doubt they planned ahead like, oh, you know what? We're going to really run against the wire on this one. Let's not film this scene like this. No. They must, have, they must have just decided, you know, it would look cool. Let's put those in there. And that's why they didn't react to it. But yeah, it's just okay. crazy. That they that's didn't... crazy. Because I was on the West Coast, so I probably got the Black Oil Leech mm-hmm. version. Yeah. And apparently anyone in New in... York wouldn't have. Yeah. Well, and apparently it was only in some markets. So it wasn't like just like time zone. Oh, it was okay. like in certain markets. So I guess maybe there were like, maybe people couldn't stream, didn't have the technology to stream or to have like a hard wire, like, you know, like a, like a T1 or some kind of cable that would send it. And so they had to send physical copies and maybe those were the people that didn't get the full versions. I don't know all the details, but like Spotnitz does say like, depending on where you lived, you saw different versions of the episode. Wow. That's so crazy. Done. Yeah. That's so weird. Which it, I was, when I heard this, I was thinking it was streaming, but you're probably right. They maybe, and maybe some of it is streamed like through the big network things, but like some, places weren't able to do that and so they had to send hard copies because i know when i worked at i worked at a radio station for a while as a dj i wasn't like an online person i worked the overnight shift but i also worked sunday mornings and i actually got to play casey case in top 40 it shows up on cds in the middle of the week <laughs> and you just pop cds in and play uh. casey case it's that would like make sense though, because he's obviously not like in your studio, and if you're not hooked yeah. into some main feed, yeah. then that would and be so how you did it. That's just yeah. what I assume. And like movie theaters, right? I mean, well, now everything's like digital, right? Right. But, like you know, you would you would get the big old canisters of film, and uh, like I, where Aaron and I lived in Visalia, when um, they did all the special editions of the Star Wars movies before they started doing the prequel stuff, and they were releasing all that stuff, and they did all the the new effects and all that kind of things. Our local theater they got to show the first one and they messed the film up so bad they scratched it and broke it they weren't allowed to show any of the rest of the movie even though they were the oh Fox no they were, banned. they were banned from getting any more because they fucked the film up oh god that sucks <laughs> that's funny so yeah but yeah nowadays everything is just like yeah piped in right like digital yeah or they just yeah it's a digital file that they send you and you mm-hmm. just yeah yeah, um, yeah maybe a physical thing but it's still a digital thing you know a disc or something but yeah yeah that's just yeah that's crazy so yeah maybe it was like certain markets had to have it earlier and some places could 
but that's just nuts like yeah that's that, super not, weird that, that day people are seeing different versions of the episode yeah that is so. really really interesting i had no idea you it's know. more interesting than most things that happen in the episode <laughs> itself oh dear uh, also i just have questions like I mean, obviously, they're changing the nature of the black oil a little bit. And also, mm-hmm. like, they're obviously giving them lower doses that aren't, like, totally taking them over. But it's just weird because it's like, we, you know, that guy in the diving suit was totally possessed by the black oil. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, Dr. Sachs was, like, rendered. Like, and, like, and like his wife had, like, superpowers when she had it, right? She was, like, right. blasting people with radiation, which I guess he was, too, which is why everyone was getting sick on his ship and died. But yeah. And I'm guessing like I feel like that black oil possession thing comes back. So I don't think that's over. I mean, it's part part of this part of the movie. So yeah. So like I mean, obviously this is a different type of stuff because it's leeches and they're giving you less of it. But I feel like the fact that Mulder was like infected with this stuff in some way and then it's just like fine and it's not really, I mean, it'll probably be addressed Mm -hmm. again in the future. I would imagine, but obviously, yeah, because you gotta now. assume he still got him in there, unless he has like some special like molder cells because his dad and all that kind of stuff. Like he's immune, or yeah, I don't know, but I don't know, just weird. If you're red, green, colorblind, like they don't work. They can't. <laughs> there's not the right rods and cones in your eyeball for the black oil. To take well, it it's just funny because like know. they call it the black cancer, and it's like someone gets cancer this season, but it's not older. So I don't, I don't know. Anyway, it's just weird. The whole, the whole like, and I guess like from what the geologist guy was saying, like obviously they inject you many times, so like clearly it doesn't just like take over, or kill you immediately. It's just odd. I don't know. It's odd that it doesn't seem. To be well, and also it's weird. Like it, like the first time is harsh, and then it gets better every time, but then eventually it's going to kill you. So that seems like a weird dichotomy of like you get closer and closer and closer to it, not doing anything to you, and then boom, you're dead. That's just weird too. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I agree with Chris Carter's statement that you mentioned last episode about how they decided they need to start locking things down and planning because I'm not sure this episode shows that. But yeah, well, maybe it will make sense in the next two parter. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, so I, I don't know. I, don't. I now know two things that happen in the next two parter that I wish I didn't know. Oh, but I'm not well, going to say don't tell me because I don't know anything because so. I have not seen them in like 30 years. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not one of them long, is going to but... be like a oh my god, and it's something well, we have talked about me. previously. Don't tell no, me. I'm just saying, but then I think goes bad, and then the other thing is also something that is bad. So, mm, yeah, yeah, but that's it. Um, that's it. Yeah, episode 17 and 18. Okay, eight or nine more episodes to go before we get there. Yeah, we got a little bit of time. A little bit of time. I guess we're halfway there. <laughs> it's episode yes. nine, right? And so we got to get to 18. So, yeah. Yeah. Math, people. It's fun. It's great. Speaking <laughs> of numbers, what did you rate this episode, Tori? It's good transition. That's that. oh, that good. Um, I think, in tradition of how I generally rate the two parters, I think this one's going to be a six, two, because to me, okay. it's the same. Like, it's the same thing. I can't separate where one ends. I mean, I, I can, because obviously they're just to be continued. But to me, it yeah, all just, like, it's there's one. There's kind of, like, a thing there, Tori, that says, like, this is part <laughs> but it one. All, it's all two. one story. And so, yeah, okay. I feel like it's the same. I did 
I will say, I don't think I said this in the last episode. I really do love Skinner in both these episodes. He's just really great. His expressions are perfect. And even though it's kind of weird that like his wife has vanished, like, I don't know. I love his attitude. <laughs> Scully yeah. He's like, don't I mean, tell me. He's not shirtless in this episode, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. But I think that they need to, they need to, like, I don't know how long I could watch without losing my mind if they keep doing that. So I think it's probably good to, like, just throw that. Limit it. Yeah. Limit the shirtless Skinner. But yeah, Yeah. I, I, I just really appreciate Skinner is a sometimes food. I appreciate him as a character and I definitely appreciate him in these two episodes. I think his parts were probably the best. Also, the cigarette smoking man is always great too. And he did a really great job. Yeah. So, especially in that last bit where I, he totally like he held like if you watch it, he just has a very subtle like you would like if you were looking at something and you an ash fell off. Right. You'd be like, oh, crap. And go to wipe it away. And like there's a split second where you can see he starts to do that. But then he just like, nope, I'm in scene. So yeah. like that's pretty freaking good. I'm just surprised they couldn't figure out a way to edit that or digi it or just just reshoot it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Bowman it. liked it. Maybe he was like, I like the way the ash looks on the paper. Maybe. I, don't I mean, know. I get it because he's like, oh, this report's garbage. You can throw it away. So I get it. But the way it's shot, it's just you can see in the scene that it wasn't mm-hmm. intentional. So No, totally. You know. Maybe Bowman just liked that take. Maybe they did multiple and he was yeah, like, oh, that one's good. I don't know about That's Bowman. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> not Look, sure. He's, he's no making, Kim he's Manners, some, but nobody is. choices I'm not sure about. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you gave it a six, which is the same. It is the same. <sighs> what am I going to What am I going to do here? I think what I'm going to do is give this one a four, okay, instead of a three, and then. I'm going to lock these in like these officially are not going to change. Okay. Because I was kind of thinking like, should Tunguska get a three or should it get a four? And so like, I feel like these are on the same level. And so if I give one a three and one a four, then I'm like, okay, boom. I'm just like, I'm, I'm hedged. Like, that's fine. So with the exception of the last set of two parters, well, not including the season ender that are usually two parters, the last in season two parters, I gave a seven and a seven, so I gave the same number. But I do tend to give the second part a higher rating, uh-huh. unless it's a season ender. Then the first episode usually gets a lower rating. So, <laughs> but yeah, for in season stuff, I usually do the same, or the second part gets a little bit more. So, but yeah, so I'll, I'll stick with that. So a four, yeah. So I think All this right. might be my lowest two-parter overall i think i need to go back and look yeah I mean, it's the not blessing, the blessing it was technically a three-parter yeah so that one is kind of throws things off but yeah it's not it's not their best i really like some of the concepts in there i think the whole like rock thing is cool i like that they're coming up with a story for what the governments are doing with the black oil and stuff i feel like that's good but yeah it's just there's a lot happening and a lot of it just leaves you with more questions than answers yeah mm-hmm I can get, I mean, it's kind of like, it's not exactly what they're doing, but it's like, like you talked about with the, with the uh, musings of a cigarette smoking man, like you weren't a fan of when they have to go back and like give origin stories kind of thing, Mm -hmm. like backfilling the reasons why people are like, 
they're they're not really doing that here. I mean, they're going back and like how it got here. So they're not retconning. They're not backfilling. They're I don't know. I don't know how to describe what they're doing. Like things are just shifting. And you're kind of like supposed to remember some stuff, but then forget other stuff. I guess that's retconning. I don't know. It's yeah, it feels like they're kind but... of evolving it and they haven't. I think it's supposed to be different versions of the black oil, but that's not clear yet. And I don't know if that ever well, really that becomes makes things clear. even more confusing. Yeah, well, I, maybe not versions, but maybe like it has to do with the concentration of it. Like maybe they've degraded it so much that it's not really a scent because the black oil is like a sentient being in the first time we meet it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's taking people over. So clearly but this these- is fresh from the rock that apparently is like from space. So that shouldn't right. be diluted and it behaves the yeah. same way that all the other stuff. Do- maybe know. it's older. I don't know. You're right. I mean, it just creates a lot of questions like what's going on. What's the difference where you know where do these things separate are they the same thing or are they meant to be two separate things from the same alien world yeah and then we had had, in ice we had an alien organism in a rock right in the cores Mm -hmm. that then came up but that was something it was a wormy thing but it was still something different and then yeah we never talked about whether in firewalker that was supposed to be an alien spore if it was just some weird life form or something yeah, I think it was just supposed to be something weird that evolved in the volcanic yeah. world. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could argue that it was non-terrestrial. Yeah. And just had gotten, you know, had arrived. Like they say this like supposedly showed up like 4 billion years ago, which I don't know that t- I would need to go back and look at the time frame stuff for like the earth. 4 billion might be too old for that to still be around. Yeah, especially since they're talking about and the, the assumption is maybe that's from the Tunguska explosion. Yeah, that's what but I if thought. So that's not like four billion years old from. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's but, confusing. <laughs> we just stop. We're just gonna stop. Yeah, trying to figure I don't, it out. I don't know that we'll just let I it go. Know that the answers are in there. So I mean, maybe let it go. Maybe all will be revealed in the next two parter. I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll get these answers or next I mean, season you know, or something. Or in got, the movie. I don't remember what the movie got about. like 15 episodes to come up with a story for this season wrap up or something. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> there we go. All righty. And these were also these are episodes eight and nine. Production wise, these are actually episode nine and ten. Okay. The next episode, episode 10, that we'll get to in a little bit here when we do our credits. No sense naming it now. That is actually episode eight. So production wise, oh, okay. it was it was filmed before these two, which I don't know if it would be something you could slot in between or not if you needed to. Again, we know they did they held Unruway back for the switch to Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. And have a nice solid, a good solid one, which is probably a good choice. That is a good solid episode. It's my highest rated. No, it's not my highest. It's my second highest rated episode this season so far. Because mm-hmm. I rated the cigarette smoking man higher. But I don't know when the sweep stuff happens. So I don't know if this is when they I do know they time those for that kind of thing. At least the second ones I think happens around sweeps week. Okay. I don't remember if, I don't remember if they did sweeps week at the end of the year, also. I don't remember. I think so, they do they used to do it maybe just the pre-holiday season between like thanksgiving and christmas is when these usually happen so yeah, i don't know yeah before we hit holiday reruns they want to give you some good supposedly episodes yeah so, yeah. yeah 
Who knows? I Some don't. intense stuff to talk about over Christmas when there's no new stuff on TV. Yeah, because we get a pretty good yeah Christmas. Well, it makes sense during Christmas too, because you figure people aren't necessarily going to be watching television. So that's when you're throwing your reruns in. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, let's stop rambling because we just are really honestly <laughs> at this point. All right, but, well, uh, thank you for listening. Yay! Bye bye. We'll see you next time. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and edited by Lazy End Productions. That's right. We made this. We also make a Patreon-only X-Files adjacent podcast that you should definitely check out. But whatever you do, be sure to join us next time for the X-Files Season 4, Episode 10, Paper Hearts. And together, we'll try to figure out if the the truth truth is still still out out there. there. It's It's me, Mario. Italian. Italian.